Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. I'm your host, George Ellick, and today I'm joined by both Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding, and sports broadcaster and journalist, Johnny Ward, as well, as we look ahead to Saturday's racing at both the Curragh and at Newcastle, including the Irish Derby and the Northumberland Plates. Uh, but before we get into our Saturday preview, we cannot speak to the guys in the week after Royal Ascot without having a little look back and, and seeing what the guys made uh, of the racing, any horses to take out of it as well. So, Andy, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, you know, we spoke in the later uh, previews of the week about a couple of hard luck stories. So let's keep it positive. Uh, who are the horses that you're, you're taking out of Royal Ascot who you think really impressed? Well, I think the two-year-olds of the two-year-olds that ran, um, the figures certainly point towards dramatised. I mean, she was a um, a very special filly going into the race. We knew that off the figures and, and uh, the form worked out really well at Newmarket. But she did something... Uh, even more extraordinary in the Queen Mary, uh, knocking a previous time figure well out of the way to elevate herself as the fastest juvenile of the season so far. And that includes the likes of Brad Sell and um, uh, Little Big Bear as well, who also won quite nicely at Royal Ascot. So her reputation has been well and truly enhanced. I fancy her quite strongly um, to put up a big show in the Nunthorpe if she, if she was to go down mm. that route. I think connections have sort of muted or said that they might go and take on the older horses at York. Um, she certainly won't be out of place. She's got that natural speed and push-button acceleration, which um, which you require. And I think as she gets more racing and about, the better, better and faster she'll become. And obviously, Mal Jim as well, just pay homage to his effort. Unlucky one. I think we've talked at length um, about him um, between us. And yeah, it pains me to keep watching that video back, but I'm pretty sure he would have won this in James's Palace quite comfortably with a clear run. But I think we're going to get good, good things out of him. And... It's a mouth-watching division all of a sudden, isn't it? You know, you've got Caribus obviously won it fortuitously, but you took in Malgium, and then you've got Homeless Songs and Inspiral as well. Um, and then, you know, perhaps clashing with, with the older horses, you know, with, with Bayade later on in the season, perhaps. So, so yeah, that three-year-old division, um, whether it be Colts or, or Phil, is, is looking pretty special. Yeah, really exciting. Dramatised 5-1, to one, best prices it stands for the Nunthorpe with uh, Skybet, William Hill and Unibet. Should be getting absolutely loads uh, of weight from the from the older horses as well, um, the older colts, I should say, if she does uh, turn up at the Nunthorpe. Uh, Johnny, who who took who caught your eye? Yeah, she was very good. You'd wonder, would she become like an airwave, one of these kind of fillies with just a bit of a sprint and sensation? I think she's quite strong as well, so she's probably going to get better with time and she's so she's so powerful in her races she, it was a brilliant performance from her and um, i mean the maljum race I, I watched it back a few times since and guys you've got to start uh, watching it back yeah <laughs> it, it doesn't get any any prettier it was a frustrating week for me as well just um a couple of kind of near misses at biggish prices but um i really like kiprios to be honest i just like the the way he knuckled down and how strong he was at the finish in terms of the future um unless something were to emerge in the ledger which doesn't look obvious at the moment. I really think he can be sort of the dominant force in the staying division because um, I was actually in the in the odds checker offices on Monday, and um, let's just say it was on the grapevine that the Frankie Gosden thing was um, was going to be severed, as it's pretty much turned out to be the case. But in terms of Stradivarius, you'd imagine that the end is probably not for him in terms of horse racing as well, um, or certainly in terms of winning gold cups. Um, and the way Kip Rios in a very messy race, I know he got a great ride from Ryan Moore. I love the way he finished his race because it was a slowly run race, but he was quite, um, he, was, he wasn't in a great position because he wasn't uh, particularly well away himself. And just the way he knuckled down in the finish, I thought he was well on top of the line. And um, I think it's in terms of, uh, you know, the, the Ascot experience, I think everyone loves the Gold Cup because you get these older horses um, because their stallion prospects are sort of negligible. They stay in training, and I think that's why people love it. And interesting that Chris Cook wrote an article in the Racing Post. Um, there were a couple of very interesting articles in the Racing Post this week. One was that the Irish Derby should move to 10 furlongs, which I think is a fascinating uh, subject. The other one was Chris Cook saying that Ascot was better than Cheltenham this year. And I, I, I kind of wouldn't mind it to almost agree. It's it's uh, mm. it's controversial, but in terms of Ascot itself, the Gold Cup is probably the closest we have to Cheltenham. I think we love that race because you get these horses staying around and I think we'll see Kiprios for a long time. Kiprios, the one for, for Johnny as well. Just looking ahead to the Goodwood Cup uh, market, which we expect will be the next time we see the likes of Kiprios, Stradivarius, Mojo Star and possibly Trushan in the right conditions clash again. And it's incredibly tight. Kiprios is a three to one favourite, but better. 
piece. It's five ahead of Stradivarius at seven to two, uh, four to one Trushan, four to one Mojo Star, and then you've got a couple of quality horses in behind as well with Scope, seven to one Monobo, eight to one, and then Eldar Elder have been there at twelve to one as well. So um, a really interesting division going forward. Uh, before we move on, Andy, just just on dramatised. Um, you know, often these winners can rightfully take all the plaudits, but Mayland C for, for Michael Bell as well, that finished second, just a, a length and a quarter behind. He probably, whilst it has a, you know, it's being priced up for the non-thought, might take on a, a less glitzy, um, you know, next uh, assignment. How, how did she rank uh, in terms of speed figures with the winners of the other two two old races? Yeah, I, I said the first four or five home in, in the in the Queen Mary are, are certainly worth flagging up. Um, including obviously the run-up, you know, she, her her victory uh, first time at Notting was was also um, a, a decent time figure, but she she improved uh, immeasurably as well. Um, I think Maria Branwell comes out of the race with great credit, as does Miami Girl. Miami Girl went into her uh, Marygate run uh, with a high reputation, having won quite well at Newmarket, albeit the time figure wasn't that great. She kind of disappointed at York, but that was much more like the Miami Girl that connections we're hoping for. So basically the first five home, including Love Reigns, who didn't get a great ride from um, the, the, his American, her American pilot, uh, have all got to be um, talked about in a very favourable light. But I think if you follow the form of the Queen Mary uh, throughout the next month or two, I don't think you go too far wrong. Interesting stuff. And we're going to be able to assess some of the two-year-olds uh, for Madaska as well in, in, in one of the Curra races we're going to be previewing in just a second as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, we're going to get into the previews now. Uh, but before we do, uh, please do download the Odds Checker app. There you can find all the best prices across bookmakers, uh, best bookie offers, free bets, place terms, and of course, Andy's tips, amongst other tips as well, straight to the app. Uh, we are just doing Saturday's racing. So no, um, obviously we're recording this on Friday morning. So no Friday racing at the Curra or Sunday either. Um, but this is a Saturday preview. We're going to be looking at listed races and the uh, and, and the group races as well at the Curra. So starting now um, with the, the Dash, the listed race over six furlongs, the first race at the Curra on Saturday and power under me is the nine to four favorite ahead of pirate Jenny at 130. Uh, Hermana Estrella is five to one prisoner's dilemma, 15 to two measure of magic, 12 to one. Uh, Teresa Mendoza, 14, 16 to one bar those. And, you know, given we'll give the Irishman the first run at the car. I think it's only fair on, on Irish Derby day. Thanks very much. This is the one race that I, I just didn't like at all in terms of betting. <laughs> Typical. Sir Lines is kind of the two, <laughs> the two main horses in the race. Um, Power Under B was disappointing at the car last time. In fairness to him on the balance, he's been very, very consistent. He was sent off 130. Um, he was just disappointing. I don't know. You, you have to put a line through that. He'd one sort of disappointing run as a three-year-old as well, but Ger Lines has given him a month off. You imagine he'll bounce back. Interesting horse here, this Hermana Estrella for Tommy Stack. Very, very good for some out of Nace. And then ran essentially far too freely behind home with songs. The last thing, obviously, a very, very hot race, better race than this. Um, so, you know, she could bounce back and maybe maybe this would be more of her trip. But I, I have to say, I, I found this race, even at, with prices in, I thought it was a no-bet race. No-bet race for Johnny, Andy? Um, I'll stick up for, for Power Under Me. He was a horse that I flagged up in that 12 to follow column uh, I did with yourself, um, George, um, mm. a month or so ago, which... That's round up two or three winners and a few disappointments. And this this one was definitely uh, in the latter category. Um, yeah, I was bitterly disappointed with his run in, in the um, in the group two here last time out. He was a little bit slow out the stalls, which put him on the back foot. And then he had to challenge on the wing when the, they came towards the standside rails, rails. I don't think that did him too many favours. But unlike his previous efforts, he was a little bit tame in the finish. He's normally been very strong in the last furlong or so in all his races, including when he won at Cork the time before because he got headed by Munister and then came back again. I mean, that form of that cork win really entitled him to win this race. It was a very strong listed race down at the Mallow track. Loads of horses have come out and run well um, out of it, including Munister and Elliptic and, and uh, Twilight mm. Spinner. So it, it looks very, very solid form, that race. And if you are prepared to give him just one off day um, 35 days ago, then he really ought to take care of this lot, because I think he's better than listed class. Think he is going to be a group three, stroke group two horse further down the line. Colin Keane's gone with him as well over Stabber Companion Pirate Jenny, who, who uh, ran really well against uh, Geocentric again, another Geoline horse the other day. Interestingly, though, Power Under Means drawn 11. I think the dynamics of this race will be mapped out where the stalls are and where they where they race. 
if they, if they race towards the stand side, then obviously stall 11 becomes favourable. If they go down the middle, then obviously Parandamu is out on the wing again. So we, because it's the first race, we haven't got this race as a sacrificial lamb to find out where, mm. where, we, where we are with regards, <laughs> with regards to the draw. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd stick with Parandamu and I'd have a, a favourable mention as well from <clears> Teresa Mendoza, who comes out of a very good race at Haydock, which is working out well. We'll get on to uh, the winner of that race late, at a later date in the chip chase. Um, I was called Sense of Duty from the William Haggard stable. But again, that has worked out well and she finished fifth. So those would be the two I'd be looking at. But hopefully Parandamy, if he's drawn in the right place, should be good enough. Parandamy, nine to four with Paddy Power, Betfair Sportsbook and Sporting Index. Um, and it was Teresa Mendoza, 14 to one with Paddy's Betfair Sportsbook and Sporting Index. Uh, 11 runners at the moment. So three places with all firms. Uh, on then to the second race we're going to be previewing, which is the, th- the third race on the card, the Celebration Stakes, another listed race over a mile this time. Uh, Wexford native, 130 favour ahead of Radebarg at 4-1. to one. Straight answer, 9-2. to two. Emphatic answer, 5-1. to one. Uh, Pretterville, 9-1. to one. The Acropolis, 10-1. to one. Uh, 16-1 to one bar those. Uh, Johnny, you said the last was the one race you couldn't really work out, so I'm guessing you got an answer for us here. Yeah, if everything else worked out like this, I've been in this card. Um, Jim Budger's going to be a theme of my uh, int- my kind of uh, offerings today. And uh, I think a couple of horses of his really make the market. And one of them here is Wexford Native, who I just can't have at all. He was obviously, it's 11 days he ran a Royal Ascot. Um, he was far too free. He was lit up. So he had the experience going over to Ascot, very hot weather, got lit up. Now he's coming back here 11 days later and he's essentially pricing his runs behind Buckaroo and in the Irish Guineas. I don't really like the Irish Guineas form full stop. Um, he'd be, he could well be lit up again. It's very much a Jim Bulger thing to run horses quickly with um, with doubts over them, essentially. They they are quite in and out, I find, at times, um, just because the way they're campaigned. Maybe the way he mm. trains them as well. He probably trains them quite hard. So um, I can't have him favourite at all. And he's he's making the market as it is, albeit I don't think he'd go off favourite. Pretterville here is a, a far more sort of consistent horse. I imagine he'll make the running. And that leads me to emphatic answer, who is as solid as they come. And if you watch his race, the last hit, Curra over the course and trip behind Pearls Galore, who's obviously a very good horse. He he was so game. He pulled two lengths clear a third. Uh, Shaboom was third, which is a good solid horse. Um, and he was sort of one of the first horses who kind of came under pressure on the far side rail. Um, Dylan Brown McMonigal rode him. He found loads for pressure. And Pearls Galore... As much as she did get on top of the line, it took her a good good bit of time to really assert. Um, and I just see this race being fairly straightforward for him in terms of the way it'll pan out. He tracked the pace. He's very, very strong at the end of his races. Um, and she's very strong, rather. And I think um, on that form, she's uh, she's going to run a very big race. And I, as I say, I'm just mad keen to take on the favourite. And um, I think she's bang, bang solid in this. Emphatic answer, best price at the moment, uh, five to one. That's for William Hill and Sporting Index, uh, the one for Johnny taking on the favourite Wexford native. Uh, are you keen to to get against the Johnny at the moment, Andy? Yeah, similarly to, to Johnny, I think um, we've, we've got a favourite worth taking on here uh, with Wexford native. Um, thought he ran well in the uh, yeah, well, well enough in the Irish Guineas, but it wasn't a run that jumps off the page with you in terms of form or figures in particular. I don't think it was a strong um, renewal of that race, as, as Johnny's alluded to. Um, you take the winner out of it, and you know many of them wouldn't have been cited in our guineas. Um, so yeah, I think he I think he is a bit of a false favourite. What I'd want to take him on with is um to question. Uh, the figures point to Charterhouse running a big race here. I know I know he's got a bit to find on on the on the ratings as such, if you believe them. But I, I think ratings go out the window half the time in these kind of events. Uh, but his form would just mm-hmm. worry me, Andy. Like I think he's had one winner. Yeah. All that two of his horses during the week, they were both very disappointed. That would definitely be like he, he will come good and just not sure it's happened yet. Yeah, it's been 122 days precisely since his last had a win on the flat, so that's a bit of a concern. Wow. But look, his form behind um Cadillac was, was boosted nicely. I thought of Royal Ascot, I thought Cadillac came out of his race with great credit at Ascot on a track that probably still didn't play into his strengths. But uh, that Leopardstown time figure there when he won uh, and Charterhouse's third was uh, is good enough to see Charterhouse. In the mix in a race like this, if we, if we could um, trust his yard a little bit more, but yeah, I think Fatty Cancer and Shaboom are the other two. Um, Johnny Johnny's mentioned uh, a Fatty Cancer, which is perfectly entitled to off that run, but I do think Shaboom has, has also got to be talked about in favourable terms as well. I think that was her first try at Mars. Sensibly, she'd been tried over seven furlongs prior to that, 
Uh, and I thought she kept on quite well from the back of the field. She was drawn in stall eight that day, and it meant that they had to take back on her early to get a, a posse, but it meant that she was weaving away through horses and to come from behind, which is is not ideal uh, sometimes here when they kick off the front. Um, and and Fatty Cantor has got a bad draw, um, still 10 of 10 uh, on Saturday. So that might be uh, enough to perhaps for Shibun to certain bridge the gap and maybe turn the tables around with them, Fatty Cantor. But I haven't got a particularly strong view in this race. Again, I'd probably just mess around with those two, Charterhouse and Shaboom at prices. Charterhouse 40 to 1 uh, with 40? Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook, yeah. Really? Oh, wow, well, that, mm. that is a big price. <laughs> wow, I'd, yeah, I I'd, 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 no idea. Yeah, I mean, 40, oh, yeah, I've changed my mind. I mean, it's top it's top, top of the figures that we've got off that off that Cadillac run, so straight away, 40 to 1, yeah. I'd, I'd, my mind's been go. made up. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'd probably have a decent go at that at that price. That 40 to 1 might not last too long. Uh, Paddy's and Betfair Sports, because I say both go 40 to 1, and Short is 28 to 1 elsewhere, but 33s with Unibet and Sporting Index. I don't know if I'm going to Dingle and Kerry, um, but one of the, it's, it's extremely well served by pubs and restaurants. The Charter House is a, an extremely nice restaurant in Kerry, so I think we'll all have to go there if this wins. Okay. Oh, courtesy of Andy. Absolutely. Yeah, good. <laughs> Shaboom, uh, 16 to 1. That's probably what Andy's going to say if Charterhouse uh, goes and wins on Saturday. Uh, 16 to 1 with uh, Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook as well. Uh, the two for Andy taking on uh, those at the top end of the market. Uh, on to the railway stakes now. Uh, and this is the race I was talking about earlier where we get to tuck into some Ascot two, Royal Ascot two-year-old form. Uh, Blackbeard is the 15 to 8 favourite ahead of Crispy Cat at 9 to 4. I've got a feeling I know who Andy's going to be putting up here, but let's ask him. Uh, Shatasha, 7-2, Age of Kings, 5-1, Apache Outlaw, 16-1, Borletti, 80-1. Blackbeard, Crispy Cat, in the match bet, Blackbeard favourite, Andy, do you agree? Um, well, I think Crispy Cat was one of the unluckiest losers at Royal Ascot, wasn't it? I mean, it was coming with the same run as the eventual run of the Riddler when it, it got um, completely and utterly kiboshed. Um, I think you know you guys have, have talked about it, particularly Johnny, in, in, on on the preview with Sam and Richie the day that that mm. definitely should have been thrown out. Um, yeah, it was a painful one for me. Who'd back Crispy Cat and of course Wallbank as well. Yeah, I was hoping to get that in the Stewards' room, but it didn't quite work out. But yeah, Crispy Cat on the evidence today, he looks as though he's crying out for an extra furlong, doesn't he? I mean, he was a little bit outpaced, um, and then he was coming through very very strongly at the point whereby his run was checked. So just on that evidence. And, and the overall form of the Norfolk, I think, being quite a strong race. I think it was a stronger race than, than the Coventry, arguably. Or certainly, if it's equal, certainly on the time figures anyway, he run quicker furlong per furlong than uh, Blackbeard did in his race. Then um, I'd, I'd be very much in favour of Crispy Cat. Of course, has got um, lots of form at the Curra as well. He, he's, you know, he's proven at the County Gildare track. I'd certainly give a favourable mention to the bottom one, Shartash who um, ran really hard catching well on debut at uh, at the Curra in a good time figure race. And then he showed bat- good battling qualities to beat uh, Age of Kings next time out at Nace. Um, so he's very much going the right way. And I think he's been safe for this, where he, you know, he could have easily come over to Royal Ascot. So I'd go with the form of Crispy Cat, um, give him a chance to have uh, some kind of compensation and connections compensation for that um, unlucky run at Royal Ascot. I mean, I guess, Andy, it's a case of it's probably in the price, isn't it? The fact that Crispy Cat, you know, that that would the price be be massively different if he'd got that gap and been able to go through without the Riddlers? Um, you know, would 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 he be favourite if he'd won the race, or is it factored into the price? The fact that everyone could see and everyone knows that um, there were clearly other circumstances that led to the placing. Yeah, I'd, I'd, it's one of those ones. I'd, I'd, would he come here if he'd ever won the race? Um, I, I don't know. It's true. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not even sure of that. Um, just the mindset of connections might have been different. Okay, we've won. We you know we've won our big race. Let's give them a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Whether they're just rolling the dice again because out, out of pure frustration more than anything else. Mm. Um, you know, I think they, they they were quite right to be very um, aggrieved about what happened or what didn't happen. More likely to Royal Ascot with the steward in. Uh, so yeah, they're they're looking to sort of it's a case of like well we'll show you kind of thing. Um, so I, I don't think it really it would have affected his price whether he would have won or not because I think. Everyone probably put him down as the moral winner. So, yeah, if, if, if that's if bookmakers are going down those same lines, and you know, nine to four looks about right, doesn't it? Yeah, nine to four, crispy cat, pretty much across the board. Seven and two, Shartash, Johnny. 
I, I think this is a fascinating race. I mean, it's it's anomalous, really. Aidan O'Brien used to completely farm it. He hasn't won it that much in the last 10 years, but he's obviously had such a... He's had an unbelievable run with his two-year-olds, really. Um, as, I, as I mentioned on the podcast before, a lot of them are more pacely bred than he would normally have this time of year. But the anomalous nature of this race is that um, three of these horses ran at Royal Ascot and another, Apache Outlaw, ran 15 days ago. So, like, four of the field ran quite recently. Um, now, the, the Crispy Cass... Um, Blackbird rematch is interesting because as Andy says, Crispy Cat definitely looked like he wanted six at Royal Ascot. If you go back to their clash earlier on the season at the Curra, um, which is over five furlongs, you wouldn't really be that confident that he'd reverse that form over six the way that Blackbird finished the race. And when Blackbird ran in the Coventry, he was actually he was actually quite outpaced. It looked like he was going to be well beaten and then he ran on again. So I think I think they might run the race um, for Blackbeard in terms of making it a pace that Age of Kings will go a strong pace. But I really like Shartash here because if you just watch that race that Andy mentioned at Nace the last day, he travelled so, so well. And Johnny Murta was saying afterwards, like for an Aga Khan horse, he's very, very sharp. And as Andy said as well, he's probably been saved for this race rather than an afterthought, which I think it kind of is for the Ascot horses. And as much as it was a nose over Age of Kings, his superiority was... Was far more. I think longer term he could be a very, very good horse. He's um, bred to be a three-year-old, really, um, and I think he's. I think just the way he travels in his races, he's seven to two, and he's like I think the others are a little bit more exposed. Really, he's had two runs, and if if that that race is nice, which I don't have the figures, would it look more muddling than kind of truly run? He looked like he wanted a stronger gallop, which he's certain to get here. Um, I could actually see him going off favourite. I think he'll definitely go off um, shorter than seven to two. He's going to be a very smart horse, I think, and uh, he's a value in the race for me. Shartash 7-2 the one for Johnny uh, positive mention from Andy as well 7-2 as I say pretty much across the board as it stands the one to side with there in the railway stakes uh, we're going to get on now to uh, the big race of the day the Irish Derby um, where we've got Tuesday the Oaks Epsom Oaks winner at 11-8 to eight is the favourite was initially put in about 2-1 to one after she was supplemented for the race uh, Westover 7-4 to four. Hannibal Barca 10-1 to one. Lionel 10-1 to one. Pispadil, uh, 11 to 1. French Claim, 33s. Glory Days, 50 to 1. Boundless Ocean, 66 to 1. Eight runners at the moment. You'd hope eight runners were going to post given the you know, given the race. Uh, it would be a shame for any to come out now. And that, that does create some each way intrigue for me. But let's look at the top end of the market at the moment. And Johnny, you had some strong views on Westover in Racing Weekly on Monday. Since then, of course, a lot, a lot has changed given Tuesday's addition to the race. Uh, how do you see the top end of the market now? Yeah, I mean... We were speaking on our little WhatsApp group during the week about uh, mm. and, and you reacted to uh, no Colton in the race as like, the, you know, the greatest tip that uh, you could want in terms of Tuesday. Um, mm. I think conversely, his Colts are starting very good and that's why she's in the race in the first place. I mean, as I said, when I was talking to you, I think I was talking to you guys last week, I was like, I don't know how they could put in um, Aiden's horses as short as they were because they had no chance in the derby running, literally no chance. And as it turns out, I mean, when was the last time Aiden didn't run a colt in the Irish Derby? There, there's a question for you. I, I don't actually know the answer. I'd say it's a long, long time ago, but um, it's mm. become a really fascinating race now because Andy would talk about the sectionals um, at Epsom. Tuesday's last three furlongs were very, very fast. And it was her first time, obviously, stepping up from beyond the mile. And she just lasted it out. She was probably a bit lucky, but conversely, she's a lot of pace. And I don't really know how this race is going to be run in terms of, um, pace and tactics and I think that's what's so intriguing about it um, but I still think Westover for me Colin Keane a lot, there's a lot of chat about Colin Keane taking the right here it's going to be fascinating for him because Westover is not straightforward he's a habit of leaning left in his races he did it markedly at Epsom he did it the time before as well when he won his Marlin two race um, and if you lean left at the Curra that's going to be interesting because horses generally tend to you know go over towards the, the rail the other side in a race like this it's rare that they'd end up the near side so um, how will he ride him tactically? Is he going to track Tuesday, who probably has a bit more of a turn of foot than he has? Um, but I still think he was so unlucky in the derby. I mean, he was drawn to, it was a complex ride um, in terms of how he was going to get into the race from draw, from the draw to. Um, I thought Rob Hornby actually gave him a, a very good ride, apart from the trouble mm. in probably avoidable. But at the time, like if you look at him and Desert Crown, maybe around the two furlong pole, he's actually traveling pretty much as well as Desert Crown. He wouldn't have beaten him. He's not as quick as him. But he ran really, really well, and he powered home. Um, and I, I think at seven to four, he's very, very fair. Um, one horse I would give a mention to as well um, is Boundless Ocean. Um, I was on a, a panel with uh, Kevin Manning um, during the week, and he said he thinks he'll outrun his odds. If you look at him relative to Hannibal Barca, when they clashed at the Curra, 
Um, Hannibal Barca is a 10 to 1 chance here. Boundless Ocean is 66s. I was all over him at Leopardstown the last year, but it was an absolute horror show because Colin Keane got an absolute softy up front. Boundless Ocean was too keen. Total muddling race. Finished his race well, but essentially just wasn't getting to the winner who was. It's, it's horrible when you take on Colin Keane in a four-runner race and he gets a soft lead, and that's what happened. Yeah. But this, this horse, I think this race should be, I, I'm saying, like, I'm not sure how it's going to be run, but you'd imagine it to be run at a truer pace than that. He's 66 with Hills. I definitely have a few quid on him each way to supplement the best, the bet on Westover, but I think it's a fascinating race. Tactically, it's very, very hard to call. The Colin Keane angle to the race, Tuesday, and um, being the filly in the race, getting the weight after her striking performance, albeit a little bit fortunate at Epsom. Um, it's a fascinating race, but for me, seven to four is perfectly fair about um, the English Raider and a saver on the Boulder horse. West over seven to four, uh, three six five, Skybet eight eight eight, and Bet Victor and Parry match. Uh, as you say, Hills sixty six to one standout best price. Bowness Ocean the each way bet to have for Johnny uh, Andy. We've got one ticket there for Westover. Uh, are you taking on Johnny seven to four with the eleven to eight Tuesday? Um, yeah, I haven't. I haven't had a. I haven't had a bet in this race. I'm quite glad I haven't because um, had I been tempted into into Westover, which I was, which I was uh, early on in the week, I'd, I'd now be sick that uh, Tuesday's a runner. Um, mm. But it gives me a chance to look at this race with a clear picture uh, and evaluate the odds and you know and, and take a view from there. Um, I do think we've probably got the right favourite on balance because I, I think the Oaks race was. Of equal of the derbies, certainly take if you take away Desert Crown, you look at the rest. Um, and I've done a, bit, a little bit of work on what Tuesday did in comparison to Westover because obviously we got a, I know they're different days, but at least we have got the same course par- comparisons one day to another. Um, it, it, it comes out quite favorably uh, in, in, the, in the direction of Tuesday. Obviously, that everyone's made a, a big hullabaloo over Westover having a, a troubled passage and. I'd certainly take that on board because um, I think he's better than what we saw the other day at Epsom. Uh, I think he would have finished a clear second had he got a clear run. So you've got to upgrade that performance, there's no doubt. But I do think a lot depends how this Irish uh, this um, Irish derby's run. If they go what I would consider just an OK gallop and they don't go a million, I think it's quite surprising in some respects that Aidan O'Brien hasn't left a foot soldier in this race. Mm. Just one of his cults to perhaps dictate it to the. See, he's to, he's happy if they go slow. That's the absolutely that's, yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's what he's hoping for, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. He's almost taking the the pacemaker angle out of the equation mm. by saying, "Well, there isn't a confirmed front runner in the race because there isn't. None of the other horses in this race have made the running before. French claim has, but but does Paddy Timmy want to make the running with him? So, like I say. It's it's a funny one with regards to tactics, but I think Ryan Moore is going to be in the box seat here because he's drawn one, and I think with a good jump from the inside, he's going to be second or third, right round the paintwork on the inside, covering the speed. And if it becomes a question of a turn of foot in the latter stages, there's no doubt in my mind that Tuesday's the fastest horse in this field. She's the best horse in the field. Um, Johnny said she was hanging on the other day, which was true in the context of Emily Upjohn. But if you look at the others, he was going further and further. She was going further and further away from Nashua, who's gone on to win a French Oaks. Probably didn't and, stay in France. Yeah. So we're, I, th- I think we're dealing with a very, very good Oak. I think the front two fillies are very good <coughs> in the Irish, in the, in the, in the English Oaks. The back end sectionals compared to the, to the Derby as well, which you can do by sort of splitting the two screens and putting them together, again comes out favourably ahead of the Oaks. So. I would favour Tuesday over Westover, unless it was a, a complete mother and father of a gallop. And obviously the, the, the real stamina-laden um, um, profile of Westover might come into the equation, because I think we all see him as a ledger horse, ostensibly. And I also agree with Johnny, that boundless ocean is no right to be 66-1. to 1. He would have definitely shaken up Hannibal Barca had he got a clear run. Uh, the last time that they met. Hannibal Barca clocked a big number. The forms worked out well. Sensai, who was uh, running on third, ran really well the other night at Nace in a similar race. Uh, the time figure was exceptionally good. So I do think Boundless Ocean is going to run a hell of a lot better than his odds suggest. And he's always looked as well, Johnny, as well, at looking at him, that he wants further than a mile and a quarter. Yeah. He's a big, big, strong unit. And he's always hit the line hard every time he's run over a mile and a quarter. Um 
So yeah, he's he's a massive, despite massive. having a, despite having a propensity for running free as well, which suggests you know he, he doesn't really though. It's just the last day was such a mess of a race. I I'd completely I, it wouldn't worry me at all tomorrow. No, okay, like, it wouldn't worry me either. It's particularly in a race like this where you'd like to think there'll be a you know a, a fairly generous gallop on. So it's a fascinating tactical affair. We don't know what's going to happen. I haven't got a clue. I don't know who's going to lead. What the, jack, <laughs> what, the what the arrangements are. You know, there's going to be connections here already working it out, right? There's going to be no posting there. We're going to lead. We don't know that. But I would say if they go just a a, a relatively okay pace without going, you know, breaking any world world records, then I think Tuesday will do, do this lot for turn of four. Um, but, yeah, Boundless Ocean is also definitely worth factoring into the equation at that price. So Tuesday, getting the vote for Andy ahead of Westover. So one apiece for the top two in the market, 11 to eight. Boundless Ocean, though, <clears throat> the one for both the guys at each way price. Hopefully, we'll get all eight run, uh, all eight running. Uh, 66 to one, Boundless Ocean with William Hill, 50 to one market price as well. That is the Irish Derby preview. We've got a couple more races on the card. Uh, no, one more race on the card to preview um, before we move on to looking at uh, Newcastle, a couple of races in Newcastle, um, looking at the... This is, I didn't realise you sponsored a race at the Curra, Andy. You've got the ARM Holding International States. <laughs> yes. Andy yeah. Richard Michael Holding, isn't it? That's what I... Uh, yeah, I'm, I, am, I am Holding, yeah. Andrew Michael <laughs> Holding, yeah. So. There we go. can't believe they Incredible. put the R in there to spoil it. I know. <laughs> that would be amazing. So this is Andy's race uh, over mile two. Um, and Max Sweeney is the 11-4 to favourite ahead of Rumbles of Thunder at 7-2. to two. Bear Story 6-1 to one alongside uh, Duke. Of Cesar at six to one, uh, Al Cal at thirteen to two, uh, Vega Manifico seven to one, Visualization eight to one, and Andy. I thought of all people having their own race, you would ensure that we wouldn't have a seven runner affair. I know, um, I know, an absolute disgrace. But given it's your race, uh, we'll let you take take the first run at it. Yeah, really good races, intriguing. Um, I think there's several in with a chance again. Depends on how the race pans out. But I do like Rumbles of Thunder. I think Paddy Toomey's is um, he's he's campaigning this year of his horse has been second to none. Um, he's got a really, really good bunch of uh, three straight four-year-olds. Um, he's very patient. He doesn't get drawn into battles he doesn't need to get drawn into. You know, the temptation would have been to take horses over to Royal Ascot, but he's no. But I know where I know where I'm at. I know what I'm, what my sort of skill set is. Home soil, giving them breaks between their races, and, and that brings me on to Rumbles of Thunder, who's been, like I say, um, specifically saved for this meeting. Ever since she won at Gowan last time out, it was a really good ride by Colin Keane. He came up towards the near side rail. Yes, he got the best ground, but I think his filly was by far and away the best. And that was a off the back of an eye-catching run first time out at, at the Curra, where, the Cork, sorry, when that run, if you like, was all part of the in inverted commas process. Um, and I think she should be absolutely cherry ripe for this. Um, you know, mile and a quarter around the Curra is going to be ideal. I've got a, a healthy amount of time for um, the top one bear story. He he loves the Curra and. He's another one to come out of that race at, at the current, um, that group one last time out, which couldn't have worked out any better at um, Royal Ascot. State of Rest and Broom, of course, fourth and fifth, respectively. Both went on to take their prizes at uh, Royal Ascot. And, and our best story wasn't, he's not a group one horse, but you know he ran pretty well uh, back in six, a respectable six behind two or three of the world's best horses, Alan Kerr, obviously, and, and we know how good State of Rest is. Mm. So back in this kind of grade, I don't think he should be underestimated. And I think Joseph has done well to avoid um, dipping his bread into other potential um, um, pitfalls with v v um, Vega Magnifico. He had that horse entered up twice at Royal Ascot. Again, he resisted the temptation. And the fact that he's prepared to come here and have a swing at this lot, only rated 94, having could have run at Ascot in two races rated 94 against horses of lesser ability, I think tells you all we need to know about how he thinks about that horse. Um, so I think this is a really, really good race on paper. I'll go with Rumbles of Thunder because I'm, I'm, I'm a massive fan of the Paddy, Paddy Toomey sort of setup. But um, Bear Store in Vega Magnifico as well. You can make cases out for those two. Rumbles of Thunder, 7-2, Paddy's 8-8-8 and Betfair Sportsbook. <clears throat> but a couple more to, uh, to keep on side as well. Bear Story 6-1, Vega Magnifico uh, is 7-1. Johnny? Yeah, just looking at uh, Paddy Toomey's Paddy Toomey's strike rate this season, 37%. Yep, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely insane. So I love I love trainers like he and Gerald Lines because they, they're quite selective. I think both of them probably turn down a lot of horses that they just don't think are good enough. So they have a base mm -hmm. level that's quite high. 
Um, and then when they do run them, they're basically always cherry ripe. That's not the case with Jim Bulger, obviously, who runs his horse a lot. I mean, Max Sweeney, I mean, I'm not sure which of the two Bulger horses I mentioned are worst favourites, unless the weather is going to do something that is essentially not forecast. Like, this horse has absolutely no chance on the ground because he basically wants soft or heavy. He's run some okay race on nice ground, but it's been, I mean, there is a bit of rain forecast. It's been a warm week in, in Ireland. The ground's going to be interesting tomorrow because um, the forecast will probably have Brendan Sheridan wondering what to do in a sense because rain has been yeah. kind of forecast, but hasn't really arrived. So, um, I think he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Max Winnie's not going to get his ground 100%. Um, so I don't know how he's favourite um, 11 to 4. Um, but Bulger being Bulger, he'd probably run. Run with the Thunders, forms of Gorn, as Andy mentioned. There's so much class about it and probably being trained for this race. And conversely, um, in terms of strike rate, fair story. Nick Halford, 3% strike rate this season. He's had a lot of place for us, but it would concern me. He also holds visualization on the Mooresbridge form, fair story. So that probably rules that one out. Um, so that, that would concern me. I don't think Halford's horse really hit the hit the line yet. But 72 runs of Thunder is perfectly fair. Um, brilliant, brilliant trainer. We'll, 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 we'll run a very big race with doubts about some of the others, I think. This race is a classic case, George, of, of ratings dictating how bookmakers price mm. them up. Yeah, they they see Max Sweeney rated 117, and almost don't factor in whether he's in form or not, or what ground. Formal conditions, be. yeah. Yeah, it's just bizarre, and, and I often find these listed races and, and pattern races in general quite good betting races because the the ratings sort of go out the window. Uh, I mean, for instance, um, William Haggis ran Sense of Duty in a listed race of the week at Haydock, and he rated 88. I mean, it, it didn't make a blind bit of difference. I mean, mm. she still was, mm. you know, proved that she was much the equal. Like I said, I don't think you should look at that Joseph O'Brien horse and think, oh, he's only 94. He can't be a horse of 117 when reality is, I don't think there's a huge amount between them. Yeah, and the markets normally, um, you know, work themselves out to some extent when you get to post time and, and the, you know, the yeah, STs exactly. are normally more. So the yeah. only bird catches the worm in that extent. Although it was weird not to go back to Asker, but I was surprised to see how strong, um, I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, how strong fresh was it. Um, at Ascot when considering the, the ground you know that the rain never came and it was still kind of rock solid at 92 at the top end of a pretty competitive handicap um, but yeah I mean given what you guys have said it would be a surprise to see Max Max Winnie go off anywhere near the 11 to 4 we're seeing at the moment so um, if you're going to back one of the others Rumbles of Thunder getting a positive mention from both the guys there um, 7 or 2 at the moment but that could be a fair bit shorter come 4.20 tomorrow afternoon um, that brings our Cara preview uh, to a close so on just Saturday. Give a, a couple. Another couple of horses as well, just to mention, George. Yeah, Pierre, absolutely. Pierre Le Pan, um, who ran a lovely race last time behind Celtic Crown, that form is actually getting a, a few kind of um, studies across the current what time is this? Runs in the 450. Um, it's very interesting, this horse. I think, uh, I was talking to Connections, I think he's been sort of laid out a bit for this race. If you look, it's worth looking back on his Leopardstown run, Champion Stakes Day, uh, last year when he was running off 100. Um, he was he was just beating three lengths, staying on over seven, staying on over a mile the last day at the Curra. He's now, he's now eight pounds lower, despite being placed in that Premier Handicap. I'd say he could be 16, 20 to one. The other horse I'm very surprised at, the horse I have a bit of a soft spot for in the Premier, in the Phillies Handicap, um, is Affable, who was obviously trained in England and I think won over a mile and two in England. Um, my, but a friend of mine actually got her for Ken Condon and she won three races last year. She's been put in at 20 to 1, and she's a dream of a filly. She travels really well in her races. Does Annie Gallop at all go back to her run as when she won her last race at Cork, the way she traveled in the race? Go back to her run two runs back at the Curra. She's running off the same mark. 20 to 1 for me is a big, big price. I think she won a big race, maybe get four places as well. So there'd be two I'd give a mention to. Thank you very much. Yeah, affable 20 to 1 with Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook. We're the only two firms out, so you never know. You could even get bigger when the prices mm. when all firms come out in the two o'clock, that is. And Pierre Lapin. Um, only SP at the moment because no price is out, but keep an eye out for Pierre Lapin in the 450. How's your French, Andy? What is, can you translate Pierre Lapin for us? That sounds impressive. Mm. <laughs> Pierre Lapin, no, absolutely no idea whatsoever. John, you know, don't you? Lapin is a, is a, is it a rabbit? Yeah. So yeah. Pierre Lapin. There we go. Pierre Peter the rabbit. rabbit. Peter Rabbit. Ah. Of course. There we go. There we yeah, go. I, I like to, when I go to France, I impress the French with my French, but I only have about 10 words, but I can like actually <laughs> speak those 10 quite well. But then they just, they become very unimpressed with me in general. Like, um, but it's, it's nice for a moment or two. My, my, um, my French seems to get better um, the more 
I long, the, the longer I spend in a bar, let's say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that seems to be. I don't know if I get more confident or if it just gets better. Something twigs in my brain, but it all comes flooding back. But luckily, I can promise you, I'm sober and I don't need to know any, don't need any booze to know what Pierre Lapa means. Uh, let's look at now the uh, go over to Newcastle. Um, we can look at the chip chase and the um, and the plate, the Northumberland plate as well. Sense of duty. Uh, who Andy mentioned will, will, would be getting on to is the two to one favourite. Spycatcher nine to two, Glenn Shield six to one, uh, Edrack seven to one, Ebro River fifteen to two, Happy Power eleven to one, twenty to one bar those. And Andy, you kind of you teed up a chat about around sense of duty earlier, so let's come to you first on on this one. Yeah, I mean this is a like I say classic haggis really. Um, when she won her first race at Redcar at two to nine, it just looked a sort of mandatory win and was a stepping stone to perhaps handicaps, but they went straight out of the window with, with William. He, he decided straight away, even though he got given a rating of 88 and he could have easily exploited that. One or two of the trainers would have done. They would have been going nowhere near listed races or group races um, uh, thereafter. But um, yeah, he, he chucked her in the deep end in that quite good Phillies race at, at Haydock and, and she came out on top. She showed good battling qualities, got her head down and hit the line quite hard. Uh, but little did we know how well that form was going to work out. Flotus, who was second, um, was third in the Commonwealth Cup, beyond perfect power. Uh, Benefit, the third horse, went on to win at Salisbury next time. I think it was the Cathedral Stakes. And, and Gale Force Mama, who was seventh, won a very competitive York handicap off top weight the next day. So it's a sensational piece of form. And um, even like I say, the handicap has reacted and have rated her properly, 101. I think she's probably even still better than what what he's afforded her. Um, mm. This is the first run on the all weather, so we've got to bear that in mind. But I think bringing collateral form and strong collateral form into the, at that into the table, I, I think she's she's definitely the the, the right favourite off off that. Um, if you are a Newcastle all weather uh, form fan, then the obvious one is Edrak. His, his body of work here at Newcastle is second to none. He comes out extremely well on the figures that we've got uh, at this course. And he's he's run up um, spot two runs ago, ties in with quite a few of these. Um, that was that big race on, on um, Easter, Easter, Easter Friday, wasn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, the finals day, where, where he beat quite a few of these. Um, and he's got a, a reasonably, reasonably decent draw. So I think sense of duty is the right favourite. But if you ask ask me, without her in the race, what would I do? Like, without the favourite better on each way bet, then I'd, I'd look towards Edrak. Just, just quickly, Andy, because, you know, a lot of people won't, um, you know, this is obviously high-quality racing on the all-weather, and we see that a fair bit now. But but in terms of Newcastle itself, we see a lot of all-weather tracks having their own quirks, um, mm. and especially surface-driven surface, surface driven as well. Where does Newcastle rank? Do you think Newcastle course form, you know, there are six horses in this race with... Uh, course and distance wins under their belt, centre duty not being one of them, as you say, um, first run on the all-weather. How important is is Newcastle form in terms of, of general all-weather form or, or or is it, a, in your opinion, a, a fairly, a, well, a fair surface, effectively? Yeah, I think the surface is fair, but I do think it changes from meeting to meeting where you need to be on the track. I think there's a lot of um, atmospherical uh, issues that, that change the dynamics, um, i.e. the strength of the wind. I've never been to the track, but apparently the the, the wind direction makes a, a huge amount of difference to, to where you need to be on the track. Sometimes if it's blowing across the track, those that are drawn towards the inner, have a, they're, they're running into the teeth of the gale and the ones with a bit of cover towards the near side have got a bit of an advantage. And then when it's obviously a dry day where there's no wind, it, it shifts around. Um, jockeys seem to jump on certain parts of the track at certain meetings and, and exploit it um, more than others. So it's a difficult one as a punter tipping at it without knowing the evidence of how the track's going to ride. Very, very difficult. Hence the fact that I tend to back out of putting tips up at Newcastle. I think I might have a crack at the mm. Pittman's Derby in the Northumberland Plate because it's a two-mile race and there's probably not that much of a, of a bias either way there. But um, on, on a straight track race like this, um, very, very difficult to know without all the facts. Interesting stuff. Uh, Johnny, what do you make of the, the chip chase? Yeah, that's that's interesting what Andy says about Newcastle. I do find it a hard, like, at the start of Newcastle, I was like, you, you want to be on a hold-up horse and 
Um, to my cost, I've actually, I've actually often backed hold of horses that don't get into races, and mm. maybe maybe as well in hot weather. It, certainly at Dundalk, when it's hot, the, the ground starts to ride actually slower because the surface kind of compresses a bit. So I don't know if that's the case in Newcastle as well. But he and he didn't mention Spycatch. If you watch that race where he was behind Ed Rack um, in a, in mid-April, he missed the break. It wasn't particularly strongly run, but he's a hold up horse and came came the far side of the track, flashed home, was basically beating two short heads. Um, and on that form, he's a massive chance here. He was disappointed on turf the last year over seven. And um, so they put cheap pieces on him. But um, I think back in Newcastle, I definitely like horses who've run well here before. And as Andy said, a lot of them are closely matched in that form. But for me, presumably this will be run at a stronger pace, which I think it will than that day. He can only be thereabouts. He flashed home. This will be uh, run better to suit, I think. And as long as he doesn't completely blow the start, he'll be thereabouts. Who is that one, Johnny? I missed it. That's Spycatcher, the, the Kevin Ryan. Spycatcher, yeah. Nine to two best price with, with Hills as it stands at the moment. So a couple there. Uh, Edrak for Andy, Spycatcher uh, um, for Johnny, but but um, Sense of Duty, the one for Andy the, at the top of the market. So uh, I don't think there is a... Uh, is there without market now? Yeah, there is. So I can give you... If you did want to take out the favourite, you can back Spycatcher at three to one uh, and Edrak at nine to two. They're both win only um, and they are with Skybet as well. And the final race of this preview is the Northumberland Plates. Um, we've got Rajinsky at five to one. A uh, couple of firms going seven places, Hills and, and Skybet. Uh, but Rajinsky is five to one. Valley Forge, 13 to two. Trushan, seven to one. Uh, one Smooth Operator, seven to one. Uh, Spirit Mixer, 10 to one. Rainbow Dancer, 12. Bandanelli, 14. Summer's Night, 16. All right, Sunshine, 18 to 1, 20 to 1, bar those, including Tribal Act and Uber Cool, who are both a Sea of Blue and Odds Checker, both 20 to 1 best price, but as short as 12 to 1, Uber Cool and 14 to 1, Tribal Art. Johnny? Like, it is amazing, this this bookmaking game at the moment, as much as we give out about, you know, struggling to get on and so on and so forth. Like, like William Hill and Skybet are paying seven places on this race. It's like seven places. I mean, that is absolutely mad. So, if you want that- <laughs> If you want to back smooth operator, one smooth operator rather, and Andy will definitely have a better idea of the form of, of these horses than me, with William Hill, you're getting a top price sevens, or Skybet, top price sevens, and seven places. Now, 15 to 2, Hills. Yeah, seven 30, places. 15, 15. Perfect. 15 yeah. to 2, perfect. So that's even up Jason's side. So this horse, like, presuming he, presuming he doesn't have mad uh, trouble in running, he will be in the first seven. And um, this starts him off over, I think, a mile and two here. He was well fancy, he won well, but he does stay. And if you look at the race behind Nate the Great in March, completely missed the break, probably took it up too soon, was headed in the post, ran another blinder here subsequently. And then at York, wasn't a bad one all last time. He's going to cruise through the race. And um, if they, if they do, again, as Andy says, hard to know with the track. If it is suiting hold up horses, He'll, he'll definitely shorten in price because he's a total, total hold-up ride. Canters through his races. Ben Robinson will be holding on to him as late as possible. Seven places, though. You absolutely cannot knock back this horse each way and really a few others as well. Yeah, 15-2, to two, best price and top place terms. One smooth operator with William Hill. Uh, Andy? Yeah, he's he's definitely a factor, um, one smooth operator. He, he, he's just got to um, nudge up his, his numbers uh, up to now. He, he hasn't quite run... A time where you, you think, oh yeah, he's he's almost certain to run his race because of because of of, of a, a back catalogue of figures. Whereas we, we've got two or three that just constantly run well in these kind of events, and therefore their reliability reliability factor is a, is a good deal greater. Um, Rajinsky's one of them. who was third in this race last year. Um, he was drawn wide last year. He's, he's subsequently um, uh, been drawn wide again. So that's not too much of an issue. But he ran a real good race to Nick Chester. I mean, that, that Chester Cup form, I mean, again, he, he probably didn't look the strongest of Chester Cups on, on paper, but he couldn't have worked out any better. I mean, Cleveland was, you know, an mm. honourable second behind Get Shirty. Um, Arcadian Sunrise, the ill-fated Arcadian Sunrise, sadly, yeah. um, ran really well in the Ascot States. Falcon 8 was fourth in the Queen Alexandra behind Stratum. Um, Rishun, who was 10th, um, ran well. Did he run twice at Royal Ascot? I think he might have done. He certainly ran. He certainly ran well in the in the final race behind um, Stratum. So from top, then of course Coltrane as well. I forgot him. He was second, wasn't he? And of course he went on to win. So the the form of that Chester Cup is exceptionally good. Um, they've obviously had this race in mind connection since that day when he was third year last year. He looks to have had a decent preparation as far as I could see running in the Chester Cup. Um, it's hard to see him not running well, Drudzinski, because he comes out really well on the on the sort of numbers that we've got. And the other one as well is um, All Right Sunshine, 
again, another horse who absolutely thrives on a well-run environment. Now, whether he's he's a genuine two-miler um, remains to be seen. He's he run well over two miles before. He ran well on, on the turf at Haydock uh, behind um, Valley, Valley Forge, of course, who, who reposes. Uh, but I think he's probably better in a mile six, as he proved at Royal Ascot when he was fourth behind Get Shirty. But he came from a mile behind that day. And his back-end sectionals were the fastest in, in the field that day. But he's got loads and loads of top-quality form here at Renew Castle. He ran well from a poor position here last year. but he, I think he was he was 10th of 20, but he only got beat four lengths. So he's had a bit of a taster to what this race um, involves. And he's 20 to 1. So... I've already backed Rajinsky um, midweek, so he's already in my book, but I'm definitely going to be backing All Right Sunshine if I can get sort of, as what Johnny said, 16, eight, between 16 and 20, well, seven, seven places. The good news is, is that you picked two horses there who are also best priced with William Hill, who are also seven places. So you've got Rajinsky five to one, uh, five to one with a few firms, um, but others not pay, paying as many places. And then, all right, Sunshine, 18 to 1 best price. That is with Coral, who are four places, or William Hill, who are seven places. So, um, get there you yourself go. down 18, to 18, seven places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a decent bit of business, that. There you go. A decent bit of business for Andy to finish off uh, this Saturday preview. Thank you very much to both Andy and to Johnny for sharing their thoughts at both the Cara and at Newcastle. Um, some pretty strong fancies there and, and hopefully some value too ahead of tomorrow's racing. So do download the Odds Checker app now where you can place your bets as well as finding the uh, best prices. Bookie offers free bets. There's all important place terms as well and you can read Andy's column every morning of racing as well. So do check that out. Thank you very much for taking the time to watch this. Uh, do subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel where you can find all of our preview content as well as racing weekly on Mondays with Rishi Passad, Sam Turner and a very special guests this week and, and Johnny Ward himself can't get can't get away from him uh, I'd love to check out at the moment uh, and do find the podcasts on any podcast provider as well uh, always um, you know it's always the case please do enjoy the racing hopefully we've, we've put a couple of winners up in here as well but please do ensure that you are at all times gambling responsibly